you're listening to The Kelly Track Show. I'm your host, Kelly Track, author, coach, and eternal optimist. Each week, I'll give you lessons to elevate your life, reclaim your personal power, and truly awaken and transform. Your best life starts right now. All right, my friends, thank you so much for tuning in and for listening today. If you are brand new to the show, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. I so appreciate if you found me maybe in the Apple Podcasts, you know, area, if maybe a friend or a family member or a coworker sent you this episode or one of your besties was like, yo, you got to listen to the Kelly Track Show. It's so good. <laughs> or if you are a longtime listener, it is such an honor and a pleasure to have you back here. I always appreciate you spending your precious time with me here on the show. So welcome, welcome, welcome. In this episode today, we are going to have an honest and heart-to-heart conversation about how to stop comparing yourself to other entrepreneurs on the gram. And oh my goodness, I am speaking to you from the depths of my heart today and from my own personal experience. And gosh, when I was just starting out in my entrepreneurial journey, I was just always falling into that compare and despair trap. And I always felt like I would look at other people's feeds and think, oh my God, they're so far ahead of me. Why is their stuff so good? How are they getting so many clients? How are they making so much money? Will I ever get there? Who's ever going to buy from me when these people are already so great? So if you feel like that, this episode is for you today. Now, one more quick thing before we dive into this episode today, I have a totally free quiz for you called what's your zone of genius. And if you have been considering starting a digital business or growing yours to a place of full-time income, and you want to make sure that you are cashing in on what comes most naturally to you and building a business that is successful based on your superpowers, this quiz will give you a running head start. Once you answer 13 little quick and fun questions, I'm going to be giving you a free five page report that breaks down your unique zone of genius, what your genius type is, the things that you could be selling in your business based on your unique genius type and how you could be making 10 K months by selling those things. You know, once you find your zone of genius and monetize it, which is PS, the whole thing I teach in my work, you know, this is what makes you a magnet for your ideal clients. This is what allows you to stand out in a saturated market and get seen by the people and clients that you really want to serve. This also magnetizes opportunities towards you because you become like the go-to guru in your own niche. Plus, it also helps you charge a lot more money and make full-time income because people understand what you do, why you're great at it, and they want to work with you in turn, thus allowing you to charge more money for it. So to take the quiz, you just got to go to kellytrack.com slash genius. That's kellytrack.com slash genius to take the free quiz. Over 5,000 people have already found their zone of genius by taking this quiz. And I would just absolutely love it if I could support you on your business building journey. And if this gives you some inspiration and some ideas. So it's totally free. Once again, it's really fun. I made the quiz super cute. There's little gifs in there. And uh, if you love like things like Elle Woods and the Jonas Brothers and uh, astrology and goop and all that kind of good stuff, you're going to love this quiz. So that's at kellytrack.com slash genius. All right, let's get into the show today and let's honestly talk about you know, that sticky feeling when we're in the scroll and we're, you know, looking at other people and we're clicking to their profile and you're like, oh my God, they have so many followers or, oh goodness, they are making so much money. They have a six figure business, a seven figure business, an eight figure business, or, you know, it prompts you to think things like, oh my goodness, will I ever get there? Is my stuff good enough? Or who would ever buy from me if these people sell similar stuff to me? Have you ever felt that while you are on the Instagram app and when you are scrolling through your 
your feed or you take a peek at your explore tab. You know, I really felt this at the beginning of my business building journey so much, like so much, you know, it still creeps up from time to time. And I intentionally have to change the dialogue in my head and really master my inner critic. When I get that negative self-talk coming up, it happens way less, but it still happens because we are all human. And I'm going to be giving you some of my best tips about how to stop comparing yourself to other people so that you can stay in your own lane and do the work you were born to do. All right. So my first tip for you today is this, it's to unfollow anybody that brings up your self-comparison. Now, I all think we intuitively know that kind of fine line in the sand when we follow somebody because they inspire us. And then when we follow somebody to kind of, you know, keep tabs on them or compare ourselves to them or feel like we need to quote unquote, keep an eye on our competition. So in my business, I have a very hard rule of thumb that If I'm learning from a business teacher and I am their target demographic and I'm actively consuming their podcasts and buying their courses and paying out of content for their coaching and support and help, I will follow them because they're inspiring me and helping me, right? And they're educating me and they're teaching me and I'm becoming a paid client. In my books, that's a-okay to continue to follow them. But here's where I draw the line in the sand. If I am following other quote-unquote thought leaders in business, but I'm not consuming their content and I am not their target demographic, I have to unfollow them. This is a really hard, strict rule I've put in place for myself because I know, you know, I read a lot of business books and that's the kind of stuff I I love to do. Like I love business and before I go to bed, I'm reading business books before I go to sleep. And a lot of people recommend that you follow your competitors very closely and that you keep a tab on what they're doing to inform, you know, the stuff you should be doing. And I really take an opposite approach, you know, for people who do comparative work to me, I actually don't want to know what they're building and creating and selling. Like to me, it is irrelevant. So people who are also business coaches and are kind of like my quote unquote peers, I unfollow them immediately. Like if I even am following somebody and they turn and they pivot into business coaching, it's immediate unfollow for me. Not because their content is bad or because I don't like them. It's purely and solely for the focus of my own content and my own work, because I want to make sure that when I'm making content for you, I am making stuff to serve you. The reason why I have a podcast is to serve and help you. The stuff that I create on Instagram is to serve and help you. And the same thing goes for your business. You want to make sure you're serving your audience. You don't want to make it look at somebody else's content, like a competitor's and look what they're doing and then do it for your audience too, because you too might have totally different audiences, right? Their audience might be slightly different than yours, you know, and this is such a bad mistake. I see a lot of entrepreneurs make, especially first time entrepreneurs. They go out there, they look at what the big players are doing, and then they take that to inform their decision on what they should be doing. You should get your content ideas and what you want to create from your heart and your soul and your own intellect and what you feel like is really relevant to share. And from what your customers and your target demographic is asking you for creating content around their pain points and goals and feedback. You want to serve them and help them, right? You don't want to just serve everybody on the internet. And you also want to make sure that you're focusing on those people really closely. This is why I have such a big rule in my business around if you are doing similar work to me, I have to unfollow you because I want to make sure that when I'm scrolling through my feed, that I'm looking at stuff that inspires me and lights me up and not get into that weird compare and despair trap, right? You know, this is another thing I I talk about a lot in my work. You know, sometimes people, especially ladies who are with me right now in the mentorship or my Your Conscious Empire students, I always tell them, you know, I don't follow the launches of very successful key players in my space, right? So, you know, 
everybody knows Marie Forleo who teaches B-School. And you know, I love Marie and Marie Forleo is amazing. I do not follow Marie Forleo's launch. I do not watch her webinar. I don't look at her registration page. I don't look at her website. I don't absorb her content. You know, she is totally like an industry peer to me, but in order for me to make my best content for you and for me to stay in my own lane, I don't absorb her stuff, you know, and that's not because it's not good. Like her stuff is amazing, right? Her qualities and is, is amazing, right? She's exceptional and I love her as a person, but in order for me to make good content for you, I don't consume her stuff because I want to make sure that I'm staying in my lane and I'm connected to my channel, right? I also feel like when we are in our Instagram feeds and when we are, you know, getting too caught up in what other people are doing, that's when we kind of can't receive our own quote unquote divine downloads as I call them, right? You know, this is like your intuitive hits or sort of your, your downloads or your inspiration. Um, what comes to you when you're like going on a walk and you're like, Oh my goodness, I really need to talk about this on my Instagram or, Oh, I should make a post about that. We all know that kind of really great content that we get when it sort of comes to us naturally, right? Maybe you're in the shower or you're in the bathtub or you're exercising or you're meditating and you're like, wow, I just got to make that thing. That's where the best ideas come from. And in order for more of those good ideas to develop, you got to cut out the stuff where you're looking at other people's things on Instagram and making decisions on content based on that. So my number one tip for you is unfollow similar accounts. So the rule of thumb is to really trust your gut and go with your intuition. You know, when we have somebody in our feed, if they're doing similar work to us and it sends us in that compare and despair spiral, unfollow them. If they bring you joy and you feel good looking at their stuff, keep following them. That's totally fine. Use your own heart and gut and intuition to make a decision that you feel good about. But I know for me, if people are doing work that's too similar to me, I have to unfollow in order to remain in my best integrity for the messages that want to get channeled through me to you and in order for me to serve you best, right? All right. Tip number two on how to stop comparing yourself to other people on Instagram. Okay. Everybody has a square one, but not everybody shows it. And I think this is just really key to remember as we surf the web and as we look at people's websites and their blogs and their podcasts and their Instagram, you know, Everybody has a beginning journey. Everybody has their, you know, awkward first post on Instagram. Everybody has had that version of their website that totally sucks. But today, you know, years later, it is polished, it's refined, and it's really, you know, concise and beautiful, and it's totally different. Something that Brene Brown teaches that I love so much, especially in her podcast, Unlocking Us, she shares her concept of the FFT and the FFT is your fucking first time. So what does she mean by this? Well, the first time you do something, it's going to be awkward. It's not going to be that good. It's going to be like, you know, kind of like you're learning to ride the bike for the very first time and you just took the training wheels off and you're a bit wobbly and you're really nervous and you're trying to stay up on the bike and go and motion and you're trying to also not worry about falling off and scraping your knee, you know, you got your helmet on and you're holding on really tight to the handlebars. That is your FFT. And I love this concept because it kind of gives us that permission and that reminder that our first try is not going to be the best. And you know what? Nobody's first try is good nobody, like nobody. Okay. Nobody's first, you know, idea for their business is perfect, right? Everybody's business ideas. It's like an idea. And then it gets tweaked and refined and pivoted and changed over time. Right. And that's the stuff we do not see, right? You might look at my website, but you might not realize that I have been on that website and probably changed something mm, almost every single day for the last 
three years I've had that website, right? Maybe it's updating something, tweaking something, changing my positioning statement, changing around photos, making things more simpler, adding more text. There is so many little tweaks and changes that I'm consistently doing. And on square one at day one, my website did not look like this. I had zero testimonials, zero success stories, uh, zero courses, zero podcast, you know, no blog posts, nothing. Like it was just you know, some pictures of me, some stock photos from online and just sort of like a, Hey, I'm Kelly about page. And this is the stuff we fail to see because when we go on other people's stuff, we look at where they are now and we forget that they had a square one. We forget that once upon a time they were riding a bike and they were gripping on so tightly to those handlebars, praying that they were not going to fall off. And a lot of people don't take the time to showcase their first try, right? This is something I'm actively trying to do more and more in my content is talk about my square one, talk about where I used to be. And, you know, this sometimes looks like me posting on my Instagram about what my business looked like in the early days. And I share this a lot for those of you who are new to my journey. And for those of you who've been around for a long time, you know this already, but I always like to take a, a second and say, yo, before I was a business coach and before I had three courses and a hundred thousand podcast downloads, and you know, before I had literally success stories coming out of the woodworks, you know, I was actually working on a health blog, right? And my very first thing I ever made was a $19 little health ebook program, right? And the very first domain for my business was actually the wildmanifesto.com. And my podcast, it used to be called Heal with Kelly Track. Okay. It was such a different beast. It was such a different thing that's nothing that I do today. And I always like to remind people that my business has pivoted over time and shifted and changed. And what it looked like on day one is vastly different than what it looks like now. And these are reminders that we don't always see, right? And a lot of people online don't actively take the time to showcase their square one. And instead you just see things that are like listed in Forbes and Inc and Oprah. And you're like, oh wow, this person's super legit. And you see things like top rated podcasts, like number one on the charts. And you're like, wow, that podcast is really good. Or you see people that have like written books and multiple books and all these sorts of things. And you're like, whoa, okay, holy cow, this person wrote a book. That's crazy. And then you kind of feel like, gee, like I am really, really far behind or like, how will I ever get there? And it's just is that reminder that everybody has a square one, but not everybody shows their square one. You know, one of the things that I do is that I keep my very first and initial Instagram posts. Like if you scroll all the way down to my feed, you'll find my initial stuff. If you go back to the episode one of the podcast, you're going to hear the early health stuff I used to do. And some of the stuff is like cringeworthy and embarrassing to me now, but I actively choose to leave it because it shows progress, right? And it shows where I've come. And, you know, yeah, it makes me kind of cringe when I look at my old podcast episodes and I think, oh my God, like that's just like not what I do anymore. And there's a tiny part of me that would like to delete that and like start fresh. But there's also a bigger side of me that's like, you know what, as a consumer, I would rather see somebody's entire progression versus just like the best stuff that they've done recently. You know, something that I've always admired that Danielle Laporte said is that she always feels like 
her best work is like what's happening now. And I'm paraphrasing. I can't exactly remember what she said, but she said this in like a podcast interview, but she pretty much wanted to burn everything she'd ever written like yesterday and backwards uh, and, and back in time from then. And I just thought that was so true because as creators, you know, we always feel like our most recent stuff is our best work, right? And that's true because things compound on itself, but you never know who's listening and who might really benefit from where you were, you know, a few months ago or a few years ago and you're meeting people with where they're at and you know I don't delete my early stuff because you know that's where people are or maybe somebody stumbled upon one of my health podcast episodes and loved it or resonated with it you know and I choose not to delete it because you never know who's listening and who loves it and you know when I think back to Danielle Laporte's earlier works I love her earlier works right and you know as a creator, we're always so critical on our own work, but there are people out there who love, you know, the work you've done. And so I encourage you to always, you know, remind yourself that people have a square one and we're all like, oh my goodness, like our square ones were so embarrassing. Like it wasn't very good, but everybody has a square one. Now, my third tip for you is to remind yourself that your followers and your community want to see your stuff and they want to hear your voice and they want to know what you have to say. This is the most important thing I can tell you. Okay. This kind of ties in with my very first tip around unfollowing people who do similar work to you so that you can really stay in your own lane and create content for your folks and your people. You know, the people that love your work, and even if you have 30 followers on Instagram, PS, remind yourself, you know, you might be thinking, oh, Kelly, I have a tiny baby audience. 30 people following you on Instagram, visualize that, you know, that's like a whole classroom, right? Of 30 seats in a classroom. If you have 500 people following you, you might be thinking, well, I don't have 10K followers. Visualize 500 people sitting in an auditorium listening to you on stage. These numbers may be small in our eyes when we see people that have 100,000 followers on their bio, but these numbers are huge and powerful. And all of those people, when you visualize even the 30 people in the classroom, they are listening to you and they want to hear what you have to say. And they are there because they want to know what you are honestly going to tell them. So when we compare ourselves to other people and when we start making content that is kind of more like a copycat version of other people's and not like intentional copycat, but in the sort of mindset of like, well, they're doing this. So I should do that too. We neglect our own voice, right? And our followers are there because they want to say us and they want to see what we have to create. And I always tell my conscious empire students, you know, you are your own competitive advantage, the way you do things and the way you are and your voice and your message and your heart and your intellect and your genius. That's what makes you different right? And you want to lean into that, not become a watered down version of somebody else. You know, I've been in conversations with my team where, you know, we're looking at Facebook ads and my Facebook ads manager will be like, well, you know, these kinds of ads are performing so well for like so-and-so, or this kind of ad is performing well for like this person in the business space. And she always reminds me at the end and she's like, well, you know what? I want to make sure that you're doing your thing because you don't want to sound like so-and-so and you don't want to be like so-and-so because your people are coming to you. And I think that reminder is just so key and so important because it might feel like, well, other people are doing this and it's working for them. So I should do it too. But your people are coming to you for you, right? And people want to hear your stuff because it's your podcast or your Instagram channel, right? Or the funny jokes you tell on your IGTV or the course you make. They want to know what kind of course is coming from your heart. 
they don't want to hear some sort of like ripped off course from like somebody else's content that's sort of like a boring watered down summary of your take on like the seven habits of highly effective people. They want to hear like your, you know, intuitive, spiritual, like amazing take on whatever thing you're teaching in your own way, right? People are coming to you because they want to hear your stuff. And remember that, you know, just a great way to, to remind yourself to stop comparing yourself to other entrepreneurs is like, you have your own audience, right? You have your own following. And even if you're considering starting a business, you know, you're going to have your own followers. Even if you have an Instagram channel right now, or an Instagram account you use for personal, you have people that follow you, right? And people that have intentionally raised their hand to say that they want to learn more from you. And every time that we deny those people by trying to have a message that sounds like somebody else's. It's just like a lose-lose all around. So every time you find yourself kind of getting caught up in that compare and despair trap and the time you're like on Instagram and you're seeing somebody else's great caption and then you're thinking, oh, I should write captions like this or you see their content, maybe they're like carousel post or their infographic and you think, oh my God, I should make posts like this and graphics like this and this is another thing I have to add to my to-do list so that I can stand out online and be like so-and-so. I want you to think and remind yourself of this. Your followers want to see your stuff and the way in which you do it, and the way in which you put your spin on it. You know, one thing I pass off to my clients when we're working privately one-on-one together is I always try to reframe situations that are personal and sort of look at it from a more of a third-party point of view, right? So say you are looking at um, a profile you really like of somebody on Instagram. Okay, I want you to visualize maybe somebody's content that you love following. Maybe they have an Instagram channel or a podcast or a blog you really like. I want you to visualize them right now. Maybe it's a couple people coming to mind. Now that you have them in mind, I want you to think about this. You know, chances are you follow them because you like them, right? You like their style. You think they're funny. You like the way they teach, that they share, that they explain things. You like them for them. Now, imagine if that person tried to be somebody else. It like wouldn't be the same. It would kind of lose that je ne sais quoi and it would lose uh, that that magnetic quality that you are attracted to, right? Same thing goes with your content and what you do. People are following you for you. So remind yourself that people are there for you. And when you are comparing yourself to others, it's like you're forgetting the thing that your people are here for because they're here for you. And, And never forget that. It's just so, so key. And like I said, even if you have a tiny baby audience or no audience and you're getting started, your people are going to be here for you. And even if you have 30 followers, visualize you standing at the front of a classroom and speaking to 30 people in seats and you are at the front of the classroom and maybe you're at the whiteboard or the chalkboard and you know, you're teaching your thing to these people they're there for you. And 30 people is a lot of people. So just remember that. And that's tip number three, reminding you that your followers want to hear your stuff and hear it from your voice because you are the competitive advantage. All right. Tip number four, when you find yourself, you know, kind of looking at other people's feeds and websites, and you're kind of thinking like, oh my goodness, they're already doing this. So is there room for me? Or will people ever buy from me? Like if this person is selling a similar product to me and they're way farther along in their journey and they're making all this money and they have all these success stories and testimonials and these great pages and sales pages and text and copywriting, will anybody ever want to buy something from me who's at square one? Like, can you raise your hand if you've ever had that thought? I'm literally raising my hand right now as I sit at my desk and I record this to you. I have had that thought a million times when I started my business. And you know what? Sometimes when I see people who are way further along than me, I think, whoa, will I ever get there too? Like when I'm looking at people now who are selling, you know, books and that they have a little sticker on their book that says over 3 million copies sold. 
I'm like, holy crap, 3 million copies sold. Like, whoa, like, whoa. You know what I mean? We all know that feeling. I want to remind you this. Competition is actually a good thing. And this is a great thing to reframe your mindset. So why is competition a good thing? You might be thinking, well, Kelly, isn't that the opposite of what I should be doing? Well, if you are in a market where somebody else has already established something and people are actually buying their stuff, that means that there is an established market, right? There is a need for this product. There is demand, right? So in terms of economics, there's supply and there's demand, right? Supply is you creating the stuff. Demand is people actually wanting your stuff. And a good economy runs on supply and demand, right? So if there is demand and there is supply and you see examples of people buying stuff from other people who are selling it, you're like, ooh, ding, 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 ding. That means that we have a winning market, right? And this means that when you add yourself to the market, it's great because people are already aware about the market. People already understand what it is. Um, and it means that people are actively you know, paying money for your quote unquote competitors products. Uh, and that means if they're buying it, they could buy your stuff too. So competition is actually a good thing. It means that there is an established market and people are willing to pay money and go buy it. So next time you see somebody that has like a six figure or a seven figure or eight figure business doing what you want to do, remind yourself this, Oh, Holy crap. That's awesome. That means that I am in a market that is profitable and that there are people out there who pay for this kind of knowledge. So that's awesome for me. Instead of thinking, holy crap, they are at six, seven, or eight figures. How will I ever get there? Now, my fifth tip for you is to remind you about the word competition. So when I use the words competition or competitive market or your competitors, it's a word we all understand, right? And it's a very traditional business school term, but we all get it. But I encourage you to not look at your competition as your competitors, right? You're not really competing on anything. Now, I'm going to be really honest with you. I didn't really think about this like this, you know, growing up because in society, we're always taught that there's only space for like one person at the top. You know, there's one promotion and only one person on the team is going to get promoted. You know, there's going to be only a certain amount of kids who are going to, you know, make it in a certain percent percentile of like test scores and only universities and colleges accept like a certain number of people, you know, into their schools. And it always felt, you know, growing up and in our traditional side society that there is like this ranking system and you're either at the top or you're not, you know, and school just sort of sets us up for that, right? Like, you know, there's only one gold star. And if you don't get gold, you get silver and then you get bronze, right? There's only one gold. And we see this in society and sports and so many mainstream things. The more years I do business and the more I understand, I really have been able to really get and conceptualize the fact that there is room for everybody and that there really is no competition, right? And this was not something I understood initially. Like when I used to look at people's websites, I used to think, oh, if these people are getting clients, that means I'm not going to get clients. And it's not really like that, right? People are going to be different, right? You have different types of customers. This is why we do the target demographic work, right? Certain target demographics will buy from you because you are in alignment with them, right? And you speak to way to the ways that they like to listen and learn and you support them and they resonate with you and your target market is in alignment with your offerings, right? The people that you serve and your niche is going to be different than who your competitive competitor serves. Even though you might be thinking, well, we have a similar target demographic, it's probably like slightly different, right? And your folks, you know, they might be buying from you and your competitor, or they might be just buying from you, but there is enough to go around because as people 
we are all very diverse, right? We all have different points of view, you know, and as consumers, we're all different, right? You know, say, for example, look at it like this. Say I'm buying uh, a candy bar, okay? Say uh, I want I want a candy bar that is gluten-free and vegan, right? So the, the company that makes the gluten-free and vegan candy bar is catering to me as their target demographic. That's a different market than the people who make non-vegan, non-gluten-free candy bars, right? With like glutinous wafers and dairy milk. Like I'm not, I'm not going to be able to buy chocolate that has milk in it, right? So that's not for me, even though you might think, well, gluten-free vegan candy bar is a competitor to regular candy bar. The target markets are different, right? And therefore, you know, you are segmenting different markets and reaching different consumers. And it's not the same person buying it, even though they are quote unquote competitors uh, on paper. The same thing goes for you and what you're creating. And this is why it's so important to understand your target audience, get really clear on who you serve and uh, what you do and what makes you different and really understand your target demographic and how you serve them specifically, right? Because you want to be like, I'm making the candy bar that's gluten-free and vegan. And I serve people that prefer to eat gluten-free or vegan, or maybe I serve, you know, the celiac market or the vegan market or the health conscious market, or, you know, that kind of market. And this is why it's just so key to understand our niche, because we might think at a high level space that the candy bars are the same. The candy bars are not the same in the same way you and your work versus your competitor's work are actually night and day and they're actually totally different. While on paper, you might be thinking, well, we're both life coaches or we're both graphic designers or we're both Reiki healers. Well, the way in which you do things are slightly different. So you got to remind yourself that. And because you guys are slightly different, that means there is room for everybody. And you know, new markets emerge all the time. Say we're talking about the candy bar, right? And we're saying there's gluten-free and vegan, right? Now somebody's going to go out there and make a carob uh, candy bar. It's going to be gluten-free and vegan, and it's going to be chocolate-free. And instead of chocolate, they're going to use carob for the people and the segment who's allergic to chocolate, but still enjoy the taste, right? This is just really a key example of why we need to get crystal clear on the people that we are destined to work with. And this is a whole module I teach and spend a lot of time on in my course, Your Conscious Empire, and something that we're gonna be getting really in depth on as well in the mentorship when it opens up for enrollment in July. Because a lot of times when we compare ourselves to other people, we don't really know who we serve and we don't really understand who our ideal client is and we don't really get who we are speaking to and which segment of the market we are addressing. But when you know exactly the correct visual in your mind of who it is that you serve and what that person does and like the clear visual of this person in like a three-dimensional way, when we don't know that stuff, we can feel like we get into that really easy, quick compare and despair mode on Instagram because we think, oh my God, this person is also a business coach. So therefore they're, you know, dealing in the same market as me. Well, there's a good chance they're totally not because you have a very different target demographic. So this is just something you really want to make sure that you have nailed down because, you know, now that I have my niche and it's a very narrow and a very focused niche, right? Right. I help visionary women build soulful digital businesses with one-on-one services and online courses based on their zone of genius and monetizing it so that they can earn a full-time income of consistent 5k and 10k months, right? That's my niche. And it's extremely specific. And when I see other people doing stuff, that's quote unquote, uh, my competitors, I don't really get, you know, um, uh, aggravated by it because I'm like, well, we're serving totally different communities, right? We're serving different people. We're serving different markets uh, and we're serving different things. Like I don't teach brick and mortar business. I don't help dudes. You know, um, I'm serving a more of like a spiritual, intuitive, 
group of, of, of women who are, who are visionaries and dreamers and are really in touch with the more like wellness, spirituality, and those kinds of things. I'm not serving like just anybody, right? So when you know your niche and when you know what you do and who you serve, you don't really feel like there's any competition because you know, hey guys, I am the candy bar that is gluten-free and vegan. And I also am the carob candy bar because for the, it's going to be the, the product for the people that are allergic to chocolate, right? You know where you are in the marketplace and you're like totally cool with it. So just remind yourself there is enough to go around when you remember your niche and you are super clear on your target demographic and you like totally get it. So my friends, that is the show for you today. I'm going to give you a quick summary of the five things I shared with you and the five tips I gave you on how to stop comparing yourself to other entrepreneurs on Instagram. So number one is to unfollow similar accounts to you, right? You want to create your own stuff, stay in your own lane, and most importantly, serve your own people. Number two, remind yourself this. Everybody has a square one, but most people don't see it. Everybody has that FFT and you're looking at their stage that is like, you know, 10,000 steps from where you are right now. And you don't know what it looked like when they did their like shitty first draft and their like very ugly first website page. You're only seeing the polished version now. Number three, remember this, your followers want to see your stuff and hear it in your voice and not have it be some watered down version of somebody else's stuff. They're not, they're not there for, you know, listening to Joe Schmo or Betty Susie. They're, they're there for you. And they want to hear what you have to say, not what Joe Schmo has to say and what Betty Susie has to say. They want to hear what you have to say. So every time you look at other people's stuff and then try to make content based on what other people are doing, you're not really honoring your own divine downloads and what you're channeling from source and what you're like receiving as your intuitive hits. And you're not really honoring your audience and the content that they really want to hear from you. Number four, competition is actually a good thing because if other people are making money in an industry, that means that there is a market and there is room for you. And number five, just remind yourself, there is room for everybody. When you understand your niche and who you serve and your specific target demographic, you will no longer feel in competition with other people and you won't see people as your competitors. You'll just sort of see them as folks who do similar work to you, but you'll know that you are the gluten-free vegan candy bar that is made out of carob because you're targeting the market that is allergic to chocolate. And you know exactly who you are, who you are and who you serve and why you do it. And it's just so crystal clear for you. And that really eliminates any of that compare and despair that comes up when we scroll the gram. So my friends, I hope this was helpful for you. I hope this supported you. If you love this show, please take a second to rate and review it in the Apple iTunes section uh, in the podcast. Please give me a five-star review if you love the show. It helps me get more out there. It helps me reach more incredible entrepreneurs and soon-to-be ones. And please uh, take a second to take the quiz. Like if you want to know what your zone of genius is and how you can really stand out online in a saturated market by really tapping into your superpowers and monetizing them, you can take the free quiz at Kelly track.com slash genius. That's kellytrack.com slash genius. And Hey, if you have a friend that could take this quiz and could like really use it, send it their way. That's always so fun. All right, my friends, thank you so much for listening, for tuning in and for being here. And I will catch you back here soon. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. If you love this episode, please take a second to share it with somebody that you know needs to hear this message. And if you feel so called and so moved, please write an honest review of what you think about this podcast in iTunes and leave me some stars. That would truly help me out on my journey to helping millions and millions of people. And until next time, have a lovely day and I'm so excited to see you back here soon.